Hello, everybody. Tara Henry here back with the D1 Softball Podcast. And I must say, I am so excited for our guest this week. None other than the Natasha Watley. Now, I, I need some time to, to list all of these things before Tosh says hi. Two-time Olympic medalist, two-time national champion, uh, multiple world champion, Honda Broderick Cup winner, uh, five-time Japan Softball League champion, three-time MPF champion, UCLA Hall of Famer, motivational speaker, community leader, wife, and most importantly, mama. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Natasha Wiley. Tosh, thanks so much. Oh, for my gosh. Thank you, hype woman. <laughs> oh, thanks, Sarah. You're so cute. And thanks for having me. Excited to chat today. Um, so first and foremost, we can kind of go back and start with obviously where you started in softball, but I want to really actually get into the Olympics first because it's a hot topic right now. And like I said, two-time medalist. And I just, I want you to kind of go through the Olympics and, and tell me what for you, uh, what it felt like to actually represent uh, USA and to wear red, white, and blue uh, in two Olympics. Gosh, um, the best stage, the biggest platform in our sport, right? I, whenever I talk about the Olympics, I get the chills because our game deserves to be played on that platform. And to have had the opportunity to play in 2004 and 2008, <clears throat> um, just it represents so much. I mean, when you're playing for the three letters across your chest, you're playing for your family, you're playing for your country, you're playing for so many things. And just um, my personal experience, um, my mom growing up diagnosed with cancer, and I always share this story. Um, in 2004, my mom and my dad were sitting right behind the Olympic flag. And I mean, I can go on and on and on about the sacrifices they've made. I'm only child. They knew nothing about softball. My mom from the Bahamas, my dad from uh, Louisiana, they met in college and just all of the sacrifices that they made, uh, the flags being raised. And like my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was in third grade, only given three months to live. Here she is about 10 years later, seeing me play on the Olympic stage. And like, those are the moments, like, you know, when you hear about Olympians, like they all have these journeys and their stories to get to that point. And like being on that platform, like I'll never forget this moment. But more importantly, I, I just think our our game deserves it to be lifted. And like, that was a moment where I felt the most lifted because it was a honor that was earned and um, played on an incredible team um, and a moment in life that I'll, I'll never forget. And I wish every young girl can have it. Oh, it's so incredible, Tosh. And, and um, I know probably, I know it meant a lot to you, obviously, to have your, your mom and dad there. And, and uh, growing up as an only child, uh, you know, but you also somehow made it and, and were a part of these amazing teams. Like, um, you know, I think there's this misconception about only childs not being great teammates. But what I know about you is that you are an incredible teammate. And um, I just want to kind of dive into that. What what makes a great team? Because I know I listed all of these things and all of these teams that you've been a part of. But uh, what makes a great team? Oh, gosh. Selfless people. Um, selfless people people who are willing to pour into others. Like I have been so lucky to have incredible teammates um, that were on the field and like, it's the sisterhood, right? Um, I'm literally 
texting with Jessica today, Mendoza. Um, you know, she's gonna MC the cocktail fundraiser that we'll talk about later. And just like my buds, right? So like they just these people that have your back through life. And it's not just this time that you share on the field, it's through an entire time that you spend with these women and like that they become sisters. And so I think a teammate is someone who um, is selfless, pours into another person, makes them better. I think of Lisa Fernandez as a great example. Like I was intimidated by her because the level that she functions at is here. And so when you're trying to be her teammate, like you better bring it to here because you're just not going to make it. And so one of the, one of the teammates that I remember holding me accountable on so many different occasions. And so if you don't have those people that are coming out of their comfort zone to push others, make others better, she's already amazing. Um, those are um, incredible ingredients of a great teammate to me. And obviously we talked about a lot of great teams that you've been a part of. As you look back on your, your career, incredibly um, successful career, what it, what team kind of sticks out to you when you look back uh, on your career, which team would you think like you think about like, Oh man, like we really had like glue on that one, or it was a tough one or it was easier or we went through this, like what team really sticks out to you? Oh my gosh. There's so many for so many different reasons, but the very first one that comes to mind is my senior year at UCLA. Um, we won our national championship that year and we were supposed to be, so there was four of us that came in four seniors, uh, myself, Tori Awalua, Taraya Mims Flowers and Monique Mejia. And we were going to be the first class to go through UCLA to not win a national championship at that point. And so, you know, just the huge tradition that we are upholding on our shoulders and the year prior we graduated probably the most talented team that i've been a part mm -hmm. of so stacy newman graduates amanda freed graduates we should have not we should have not lost a game ever that season <laughs> we didn't even make it to the championship um series so going into that senior year we had lost so many big impact players and like that year I just feel like we came together and we came together in a sense where we didn't really have a powerhouse. We had people who took on roles. We had Kira mm -hmm. Garrell in the circle that was just like, you know what, like I'm going to just throw pitches until my arm falls off. Um, we had incredible freshmen, Caitlin, Caitlin Bainey at the time, Emily Zaplatosh, Andrea Duran that just came in and stepped up right out the gate. Like just so many incredible women who just took on a role and like we didn't have like these huge impact players. And so um, that team sticks out to me because uh, we just got it done in the way that I I've never gotten it done before. It was probably one of the most uh, exciting women's college world series that I've watched. Uh, the last couple of years have been good too, but that, that, that championship um, series that, or game, I wasn't series yet uh, that went against Texas. <laughs> Texas. Uh, uh, Texas is still one of the, uh, my favorite games of all time. But um, building upon that, obviously, you've been a part, uh, you've been a player, you've been a coach um, uh, and a clinician, obviously, private lessons, and we'll get into your foundation and all that. Um, what are some of like the tips and tricks that you learned throughout your career? And, um, you know, if there's maybe a young uh, softball player watching this, what advice would you give? And, and kind of what, what would did you learn throughout uh, the years, um, obviously starting uh, in California and then we'll get even get to uh, heading over to Japan to play uh, for Toyota? Yeah. I mean, I guess the biggest advice is like honestly enjoying the journey, um, enjoying exactly where you are, 
in skill, in mindset, um, and knowing that it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. And there's always moments in your career that you can reinvent yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned looking back, like, oh my gosh, like I couldn't, couldn't believe that I became a pro and I couldn't believe I learned to train on my own. And I can't believe that I started to hit, you know, were slap hitters and predominantly started to hit away when I got more into my pro career because I had to. Um, just like these moments where you're faced with adversity and you're you're faced with all these things. Um, I just I think what made it so special is at the time embracing where I was, but really knowing like where I wanted to go and enjoying that journey and like that true thing of getting one percent better. I know it's so cliche, but like really like a body of work is so special when you know that you're growing over time. And I, I know like in our society today, it's like a highlight reel, right? Like we're waiting for like those one moments to like put a clip out there and post it on social media so that we can get recruited. But it's like, did you win the game? Like <laughs> yeah, I didn't win the game, but I have an awesome clip, right? You know, so it's like knowing <laughs> that, okay, yeah, I didn't win the game, but I think like what is so special about athletes is like that body of work and like knowing that there's growth throughout the journey and it doesn't just, it doesn't come overnight. And like, oh gosh, like the, that's the biggest lesson that I've learned. And that's the biggest thing that I try to impart in young girls is like right where you are right now is not going to be where you are tomorrow, but like embrace where you are right now, because what you've got right now is incredible and you're still going to be able to get it done, but know that you can build off of that and, and have growth. And building upon reinventing yourself, uh, I want to talk a little bit about international ball and what you learned heading over and, and playing in uh, Japan for almost a decade, uh, a, a good amount of time, or, or almost, uh, we're, I think we're, we're looking at that more. Yeah. Than, yeah. Well, I was over there more than a decade. I only yes. played for eight seasons. So Yes, so, so we're getting close. But obviously playing for Toyota, uh, winning with Toyota, and then coaching. So uh, maybe – explain a little bit about what you learned uh, playing in Japan about, you know, the game that was different than here. Oh my gosh. Honestly, whenever I talk about Japan, it was the best decision that I made for my softball career. Um, it made me fall back in love with the game and not that at the time, like I really needed to fall back in love with the game, but it made me fall back in love with the game in a whole different lens in the sense of, appreciating the detail and the like minutia of the game because that's what Japan is all about. They're about detail. They're about repetition. They're about practice. Um, all these things that like, yeah, I know I have to practice every single day, but to the intent that they are practicing and how we are prepping, um, it just made me appreciate the game in a whole new lens of like, wow, like I can get better in like a whole different way of paying attention to these small, small details that are like, are you kidding me? Today we're going to um, at practice one day. <laughs> they had like our opposing pitcher on a screen, and like that was our whole practice was just to watch her. I'm like, we're not going to actually hit balls today. We're going <laughs> to watch and time this pitcher off of a screen. Like you got to be kidding me. But then it's like, okay, but better believe it, Tara. When we faced her, like it was game on because I had already faced her twenty five thousand times, right? So it's just like stuff like that that just made me fall in love with the game and just competing. Um, at a top-notch level, I mean, just these, these girls, they work their tails off and, you know, it's just the same thing of being great teammates. Um, they're pouring into us. We don't even share the same language. We're pouring into them and common goal is freaking win, right? And so, um, one of the best decisions I've ever made. I love that. What's your favorite story from obviously going back and forth there? What's your favorite story from your time spent, um, 
mm. over there playing in the in the Japanese league. Oh gosh. I mean, honestly, like the times like off the field, like just the bonding moments that you have with the all the Japanese players. Um, it was myself and Monica Abbott. We were the only two foreigners on our team. And so um, I formed a best, my best friend, Haruna Sakamoto. I'll give her a shout out, but <laughs> she was on the national team. And like, we just like, we formed this bond um, and we don't speak the same language, but then <laughs> we start to create our own language. Um, you know, she knows a few Japanese, I mean, English words that, um, that I'll know that what she's trying to say. And it's just, it's like, it's this crazy thing. So not really an, an actual story, but I, I think just the things that I am grateful for and will remember the most are like those little bonds that were made with them. Do you have any regrets? Ooh, I do. <laughs> like in my career? Yep. I actually do. And I'm like, it. I'm like, I do <laughs> have a big, big, huge regret. Um, and it I regret Tara. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I wasn't, um, I do. Um, and I have shared this story before I was with a, and it has everything to do off the field. It was more speaking up for myself that I would have. Um, it was a moment where I, I don't know, cleat. I had a cleat with a, a shoe cup, a signature line and it got taken away and the things that were said to me, why it was taken away. Um, I wish that I would have spoken up in the moment. And I think, uh, uh without going into story, it was just a moment of defending myself, which I did not. Um, I said as and I was almost, um, I guess uh, to, to, to put it best is that I thought that there was something wrong with me. Mm. And that was the reason why that this, this cleat was. And I think if I were to speak up and uh, speak for myself and put myself first, and that's one of the things too, if we don't put ourselves first, who is right in this moment, I regretted the most. Um, and I wish I would have stood up for myself a little bit more in that moment. And the thing about those moments, I think obviously we learn from them, right? And the the greatest thing, and um, not that I don't love everything about you, Tasha, but what I love most is um, your ability to give back and your love for your community and the softball community. And I want to kind of switch gears to talk about the Natasha Watley Foundation, Um Game Changers, the Watley crew, um, and give a little bit of love to these incredible organizations that um, since you've been, you know, finished or actually had still when you were playing. But yeah, um, yeah so in learning that and speaking up for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what are you, what, you know, what's your mission with these organizations? Because um, to me, there it's just been incredible to see them grow. Yeah. I mean, through all of them, the main goal is an empowering a young girl, empowering a young girl to have her realize her worth, to have her realize that she is of value and that there is an opportunity and there's a space for her wherever. And 
that is so important to me. Um, it's just, it's amazing when people give you opportunities and I, you know, I, I go back to my parents and like them exposing me to softball, what my life would have been like, had I not had softball in it and all of the things that it has taught me. Yes. You talk about having regret, um, a moment that I learned about, but like being able to have the foundation and Watley crew and game changer to, to be able to pour into these young girls and let them know, like, there is a place for you. Um, you are important and you have so much to give in this world. And like being uniquely you is just enough. And so um, that's really, it's really important to me um, because I wish um, there were moments in my life that I wish that I would have spoken up more, taken up more space and uh, just been me, you know, being me is just enough. Right. So just being able to share that with other young girls. And the Natasha Watley Foundation kind of bring me through um, its inception and kind of what where we're at now with the Natasha Watley Foundation um, and your goals and mission uh, with uh, those incredible um, girls that you said are you're empowering. Yeah, well, I always share a story of after 2008 Olympics, I went on a speaking tour talking to young girls in South LA. It was a predominantly um, black high school boys and girls talking to them about softball softball so great i've traveled the world i went to ucla my favorite college or my you know my college of choice um yeah. sharing all these things this young african-american girl raises her hand and it's like miss natasha your story sounds great but what is softball and it blew my mind and it blew my mind there was nothing different from this young girl and i at the same age but the only difference is like i talked about is my parents were really intentful of where they, I grew up. And that was in Irvine. This is in South LA. These are, this is 45 minutes away. And why is this young girl not getting the exposure to the game the same way that I had? And that was really important to me that knowing that this game is for everybody and to being able to put this game in front of young girls that may not get that chance on every, an everyday basis. And that's the inception of the foundation. Now, that was in 2009, and that was after speaking to her. I was still playing, started the foundation. Now talking about an actual organization, nonprofit, I did not know what I was signing up for, okay? <laughs> I was talking about, you know, running a board, fundraising, running programming, budgets. Um, just I did not know what I was signing up for. And I just was like, I just want to put this game in front of everybody, you know? Okay, here we go, you know? And um, it, was, it was very... Uh, ambitious of me. Um, but I will say, uh, gosh, the foundation has grown so much. Uh, our main partner is the city of LA. We have the Natasha Watley League in the city of LA. Um, just this past year, we started our own scholarship program where we're expanding ourselves out of LA. We partnered with Alliance Fast Pitch. We um, partnered with Triple Crown, where we're affecting elite level athletes and supporting them. And, you know, our goal is there not to be any barrier of entry or any huge gap for any family or any girl. And so we're trying to close those gaps for um, any girl to play this game and make it a more diverse and inclusive sport and making it available to everybody. And like, it has become um, my purpose in life. Like it was a passion project. And now it's like my life's purpose is that um, every girl should be introduced to this game, no matter where you come from. I love that. And you're right. I think the entry and barriers, especially to the sport of softball, think about it. You got, you know, $300 bat, you got, you know, $100 cleats, you right. got your bat bag, your glove. Right. Um, it's, 
it's a tough sport to get into. It's not mm-hmm. like soccer where you just have, you can make a ball actually yep. and just kick it round a yard. Right. Um, so thank you for, for doing that because I, it allows, um, it allows young girls, like you said, to not only play the sport, but to become empowered. Yeah. Um, and I think in, in talking about that, I know you also do work with MLB um, and MLB develops. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, you know, what your role is with MLB and uh, kind of the tour that you've been on with MLB Develops. Yeah, honestly, just so impressed with all of the work that they are doing to support young girls, women in baseball and softball with creating opportunities. We're seeing more women coaching at in baseball at the major league level, minor leagues, um, and just in softball too. And so um, t- it's a huge honor that that is my job to help them with their youth programming. And again, a big mission of theirs is to lower that barrier. Um, They're more focused on those young girls that are not getting exposure to recruiting, who are not being seen. Um, How can we develop them? How can we train them? How can we track them along a four-year period in high school and making sure that they're going to college and playing? and so, like, I am very behind that <laughs> mission and um, like how there's just so much talent out there that's not getting fully developed, um, who's not getting the full exposure. And so through EDI um, Elite Development Invitational, it's a program that happens once a year and they invite athletes from all of their urban youth academies throughout the country. And we get to pour into them for about a week, um, being part of uh, being the uh, youth softball ambassador. We get to be a part of their lives. Um, and then we have breakthrough series. So there's a couple events throughout the year that will be with these young ladies and we get to be along with their journeys. Um, just this past year, we had about four or five girls committing to college and I've seen them the last two or three years. It's like tears flowing through my face <laughs> every single time they're posting about their commitments or it's sending text messages that they're you know going to commit. It's like this relationship that we're building. And so it's just been incredible to be um, partnered with MLB and like just so impressed with all of the support that they're pouring into our softball world um, and pouring into women and girls in baseball and softball. And how, if somebody wanted to be a part of this program or, or what is the process? Like you said, there's, there's these camps throughout the country. Can they go to the website? Um, you know, can they be a part of the Natasha Watley Foundation and play in, in, you know, the leagues in Los Angeles or should they contact MLB? If somebody wanted to be a part of it, how would they do that? Well, there's one way, well, one way is uh, you could apply for one of the Natasha Watley Foundation scholarships in sponsorships. And we are sending one girl to EDI next year. That's one spot though. <laughs> Um, but you have to attend an urban youth academy in your market. And so, um, there's an urban youth academy in here in Compton. There's one in in Houston. So look up where the urban youth academies are. It has to be in your market. Um, and they're very intentional with where those urban youth academies are located. Um, and you have to be invited to these and it's just through good character, hard work, um, and girls who are not getting that special attention and being developed and getting that exposure. I love that. Um, all right. So we're going to shift gears here a little bit and talk about um, what it's like to be a mom. <laughs> I know we've got Carter. Carter just finished her swim <laughs> lessons. Um, what has it been like for you? Obviously, have an incredible career and then becoming a mom. Like, what's that been like? Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like I am, um, 
starting a whole nother life, like the life that I had before me, I'm just like, wait, what, you know, what was life like, what was life before Carter? You know, like it's so much more fulfilling now that she's here in the world. And uh, just seeing this young little girl growing up every single day and like all the things that she's learning. It's just a cool experience. I, I mean, like just being a mom, it's life changing. I, I'm sure like every mom can say that it's just it's life changing. And like just being able to um, care for this young girl and um, make sure she's growing and learning. Um, it's the best job I've ever had. And what's tougher, hitting uh, in a gold medal game or um, getting Carter to um, swim lessons on time? <laughs> Probably getting Carter to swim lessons on time. I'm like, oh my gosh, like how are all these moms doing all of it? Like doing your calls and your emails and making sure she eats and like making sure you do her like that. I'm like, amen to every mom, right? Like, uh, yeah, when I had to just, I mean, not saying that hitting in the Olympics is easy, but like <laughs> that was like my only focus in life at the time was to be prepared for that moment and to, uh, you know, execute. And execute the execution is probably the hardest part, but man, getting all the things done and still trying to be present in all areas, it's, it's, it's a working, uh, it's, it's, it's ongoing. I love that. Um, and what is next? Like what, what's going on now? What, what can we look forward to? Um, hopefully fingers crossed softball's back in the Olympics. Yes. Um, yep. But what is next for you, Natasha Watley? Oh what, what are we going to see from um, maybe oh. Watley crew or Natasha Watley foundation? Oh gosh. I mean, that's such a great question. I, I think it's one of the things that I wake up every day and still trying to figure out. Um, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I feel like the foundation is, is my other baby Carter's one and the foundation is, is the first baby that I've had. And to, um, if I leave this world, I will hope that, you know, that is my legacy. And I hope that that's, you know, something that is, um, lives without me, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, I just, I hope to keep empowering young girls. And if I don't physically meet them or actually meet them and they've learned about me, they've learned about you know, the foundation or anything, um, I hope that they can say like, wow, like, you know, because Tasha did, I can as well. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like there's just so many different ways to still be in our sport that makes me so excited and, you know, doing some commentating, being around college game has been a lot of fun. Um, also I've been off the field doing like house flipping stuff. And, and that, I mean, like just, I'm all over the place. And so like every day, is different. And I think that that's what I'm learning that I enjoy is that I am not stuck in just like one realm, you know, it's foundation, it's, you know, baby Carter, and it's house flipping. So I'm all over the place. There you go. House flipping. Okay. I, I want to, what is the <laughs> worst remodel story and the best? Ooh, girl. Okay. So the best was our very first one. And that happened like right in 2020. So I'm doing it with my husband and it was probably gave us the um, false hope in the sense of like, wow, like we are going to be kajillionaires because it was so easy. The market was hot. Um, it was our first time doing it. The contractor, I feel like he, he worked with us and like, cause he knew it was like our first time really doing this and it was seamless and there's <laughs> profit. House number three was not so 
It took us about two years to finish it. The market turned on us when it was time to sell it. The biggest learning lessons that we have experienced was in that house. So it wasn't even the first house. First house was like, oh my God, this is so easy. Why is not, why is everybody not doing this? Like, right. Um, and then that house number three, I mean, we had rats, we had roaches, we had bees. Um, we had like, yeah, there was like a beehive. We had somebody break in. We had everything that could go wrong went wrong. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So yeah. a little bit of softball, a little bit of uh, <laughs> house flipping, baby Carter. Uh, I love that. And I want to make sure everybody, um, you've got an event coming up, right? Champions, champagne, what cocktails. I know there's champagne in there. Uh, <laughs> tell me about this event because I'm going because there's champagne. Yeah. I'm like, there'll be champagne there. So it's champions, cocktails, and kicks. So we're so excited. Uh, it's a night for us to honor all of the players that come and participate in the foundation. Um, just our community partners, the city of LA, uh, Dodgers foundation is a big supporter of ours. Um, and our actual participants, we are giving some awards away to some of our participants and some of our sponsorship winners from the scholarships and sponsorships. And it's a sneaker event. So it's Ooh. come decked out in like your favorite cocktail attire and your sneakers. Like it's all about that LA flair, right? Like you gotta be classy on the top, but comfort on the bottom. <laughs> that gotta have your fresh sneaks. So it'll be fun. I'm excited. It'll be fun. I'm excited. I gotta, I gotta figure out what I'm going to wear. Like, this is going to be fun. You gotta go uh, your Nikes your, your yeah. yeah. I, I got, I got a few options. We'll get to figure out well, what I'm going to bring to that. Um, well, Tosh, I, I, I Thank you so much. I mean, we could obviously talk for hours and hours. Um, uh, and I know I speak for myself and the rest of the softball community. Thank you for being you um, and just making us better and caring about the people that need it the most. And that I, I know I'm a little bit biased because you, you know, you were my coach at one point. Uh, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much for all you've done for uh, our sport and, and keep keep being great. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing what you're doing and covering our sport and giving it the exposure that it needs and helping our sport grow. And so proud of you. And I could talk to you for <laughs> So let's do this again, please. This is yeah, awesome. we're going to do this. Once season starts, we're going to get on and talk about some teams oh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, once let's season do it. starts. Tasha Watley, um, just complete badass. I think that's uh, a great um, description. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today on the D1 Softball Podcast. Um, yeah, we'll have you back on. Thanks so yeah, much. Thank you.